Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at beersandbible underscore and on Twitter at beersandbible p1. You can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts, Rick and Patrick, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 38 of the Beers of Bible podcast. I am one of your hosts, Patrick. And I am your other host, Rick. And we are glad to be back with you for episode number 38. We are picking them up and putting them down. That we are doing pretty regularly. That's that's just a fancy way of saying moving. That's what we're doing. So, um, tonight we are going to uh, continue our discussion in concise theology. Uh, we're going to talk about the church and what Packer has to say about the church and kind of our... Um, what we get, what we got from the reading, and maybe some of our own experience dealing with the church, since we've both come from the church world and worked in the church in the past. So, yes, maybe we can dive into that a little bit. We're we're a little we're less. Gonna, we're gonna fly a little loose tonight. Yeah, we're we're considerably less organized than we usually are, which is not much to begin <laughs> with. So, um. So yeah, that it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. We're gonna have a good discussion tonight. So there we are. How are you doing? How are you doing there, Rick? I'm good. I'm good. We are so um we are coming out of uh lockdown, uh being confined to our houses because the government says we need to be confined to our houses. Um, you know, whatever you can think what you want about that, but but uh our ban is being lifted, so people are going back to work. Of course, for me, nothing's really changing. Again, I've been I've been at work the whole mm-hmm. time because I work for an essential business. Yeah, um, so nothing's really changing for me, um, other than the fact that now I can go. Um, uh, no, I can't go to the restaurants because restaurants aren't opening. But I could go shopping if I wanted to now, and that's good. <laughs> so, are, is, um, are places there? I know here um, our ban is lifting. I believe it's tonight. When uh, you know when we're recording this, it's tonight. It's going to be a couple of weeks ago when our listeners hear this. But, yes. um, but uh, are they like limiting like certain percentage of capacity of places? Or yeah, so they're doing they're doing like all retail places can open. Which I'll, I'll be honest, this doesn't really make sense to me. But. All retail places can open now at 50% capacity. So mm-hmm. before it was like essential businesses at 50% capacity. Mm-hmm. And now it's all retail at 50% capacity. But they're not going to let restaurants open at 50% capacity. They're not going to let entertainment venues open at 50% capacity. And they're not going to let like barbershops open at 50% capacity. Which I'm like, if there's one thing that is essential right now for most people, it's a haircut. Yes. <laughs> I know... Uh, a lot of people that 
badly need one. Um, <laughs> and it's it's getting out of hand for a lot of people. So, um, let's see here. I'm not really sure. I, I have not been keeping up with it as well as I probably should have. Um, and hopefully by the time this episode releases, we'll have a grip on what's going on. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> I know that the, the shelter in place is ending tonight except for, and then there's like a long list of like, <laughs> unless you're, unless you have, um, autoimmune deficiency or moderate to severe asthma or you live in a home yeah, or, um, I- have you seen the video of that girl? Uh, I don't know if she's like a comedian or whatever, but it looks like a press conference. And she's like giving an update, mm-hmm. like she's from the government or something. So she's giving this update and she's like, uh, you know, we need everybody to stay at home so that they don't contract the virus. But we also need you to contract the virus because that's the only way that we're going to get antibodies to, to develop. <laughs> so she's doing all this. She's like, so we need everybody to stay home unless you need to go out. And if you need to go out, then you can go to the places where you need to go, not at home, but you need to stay home. <laughs> she just, it's really funny. And, yeah. and it just shows the, the double speak that's really kind of been coming from the, yeah. the media outlets and from politicians these days. It's, it's humorous. Yeah. I was going to say something else, but I'm not sure we need to say anything more about this. (laughs) Hopefully, again, by the time this episode releases, the coronavirus is is on its way out. Um, (laughs) We've been saying that for two weeks now, hoping that that was going to happen, and it it won't go away. It's like like when it first came out, I was like, oh, this is the week that's supposed to be really bad. And then that week came by, and I was like, oh, no, 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 it's the next week that's supposed to be. And then when that week came by, I was like, oh, no, 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 it's the next week. It's the whole month. Yeah, and so it's been... (laughs) It's because no one really knows what's going on with it. Yes. But that, all that to say, thank you for choosing the Beers and Bible podcast to get you through the coronavirus. <laughs> thank you for choosing Beers and Bible. And what do we have on tap tonight there, Patrick? So tonight we have from the Jekyll Brewing Company in Alpharetta, Georgia. So we're back, Georgia. In, back in the Peach State. What, what? Um, we've got the Cooter Brown Ale. Um, Cooter Brown. Wasn't that a character <laughs> on uh, Dukes of Hazzard? Was that Dukes of Hazzard? It was either Dukes of Hazzard or Andy Griffith or something like that. I don't know. So it's an American Brown Ale. Um, cans really simple. All of the Jekyll Brewing, I've looked at all their cans. All their cans are like really simple. Yeah. Which I kind of like. It's, yeah. It's have we done nice? We've done a Jekyll, haven't we? Somebody, I think I think it was one of the ones where we did a double. Okay. Um. I think, I want to say you did Hop Dang Diggity. I did. That was it. So, I think that's the other one. Um, yeah. The uh, but the website. Several of these look pretty good. Yeah. It, and uh, if we go to the website, it's, it's the most simple beer website I've been to since we started yes. doing this. Cuda Brown. It's American Brown Ale with caramel and coffee tones. ABV of 6%. There's one review, and the guy says... Cooter Brown Ale is delicious. I would drink it all day. <laughs> that sounds like a good is review. The, is the extent of the uh, of the review there. So, um, I'm excited. I think we should crack these bad boys open. Crack them open. And I'm going to say this while we're cracking them open. Uh, as I'm scrolling down the website, we might do another Jekyll one if we can find this one. They have one called American. <laughs> American. <laughs> American. <laughs> Dude, maybe we can do that one for the week of 4th of July. Yes, we should do that. 
That's what we're going to try to find. We're going to try to find that one for the week of 4th of July. American. All right. So, so here we go. Let's crack these things open, and we're going to try the Cooter Brown Ale in one, two, three, go. I think that might be the most perfect sink pop we've ever done. <laughs> we're getting better at it each week. So this looks just like the prank calls to Satan mm-hmm. from last week. That was a good one. That was good. I've drank a few more of those since last week. Same. And it kind of smells like that, too. What I like about this one is that it doesn't have the ridiculous head that some of the other ones have had. <laughs> Either that or I'm getting good at pouring beer. One or the other. One or the other. So, and I mean, that's really all. The, that's what this podcast is for. We want to talk about god in the bible and we also want to get good at beer so yeah yes. low, low key i think i might become a bartender when i grow up <laughs> it would be kind of fun not gonna lie yeah, i've always wanted to be the like kind that flips all the bottles and stuff yeah i don't want to be i don't want to be like particularly great at it i just think it would be a fun job to have it would be people come and they tell you all their all their problems yeah you sit you stand so. there with a rag and wipe the table down that's true. Okay, so it's, true. it's a dark beer. It's really, I mean, it's 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 a dark one. It's very. It looks it, very similar to. Um, this looks like a porter or a stout, but it doesn't have that smell. No, it doesn't have the smell. This actually reminds me. The smell reminds me of Southern Pecan from Week One mm-hmm. a yeah. little bit. Yeah, so. I'm 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 hopeful that this is going to be a good one. Maybe I would drink this one all day. We're about to find out. Maybe. Let's turn it up and find out if we would drink this all day like the one review. Okay, here we go. Bottoms up. That's actually a little bit lighter than I expected. Yeah. The my initial the initial taste I'm getting is very, very and I'm hoping this isn't just because you just mentioned it, but it's very similar to to uh Southern Pecan. That's exactly what I just thought. Like like the flavor profile and the texture of this is nearly identical. I think Southern was Southern Recon a little lighter, like color wise, maybe. Um, it's it's really close. I mean, if it's lighter, it's barely, yeah. barely lighter. Gonna, you know what we forgot to do? What we forgot to guess what we would rank it. Oh yeah, that's right. Because we only did that once last week, and we're really good about being consistent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some point we'll have what we're doing figured out. Yeah. Not today. Not no. today. Um, this is a really good beer, dude. What you gonna What you gonna rate this one? What you gonna give Cooter Brown? Um, it's really, really good. I'm not in five territory yet. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm gonna give it a five. Um, it doesn't have the like, wow factor. I mean, yeah, it doesn't have like that unexpected wow factor. Mm-hmm. Um. I think I'm going to give it four and a half Luthers. Um, four and a half? Yeah, it's it's really, really good. I would strongly suggest it, especially if you like uh, brown ales, if you like uh, um, smooth beers. Um, this is going to be probably everything you're hoping for. It's not, it's not bitter. It's not too sweet. Um, it's a really, really solid beer. Mm-hmm. Um Maybe one of the more solid, like, non-flashy beers that we've had. Yeah, yeah. 
I could see that. Like, this this is probably a top three or four beer that we've had on the podcast for me. Okay. And and now I'm going to give it four and a half Luthers. He's going to give it four and a half. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, for me, um, this is a really good beer. And (laughs) and I said it reminded me of the Southern Pecan when I opened it. Um, but, but I am, I'm, I'm slightly reserved. Like I'm stuck. I, I, I want to give this four and a half, but I think I'm going to have to give it four. Okay. Um, just because I feel like it's, I don't know. I feel like it's too much like the Southern Pecan. Um, in the, in the, in the description, it doesn't say anything about that that pecan. You know, I was honestly, I was expecting with the what it said the the caramel notes. I was expecting something a little bit sweeter than what it is. Mm-hmm. And so, so I was, you know, to hear to get that kind of rich, I guess you would call it that nut flavor, that pecan flavor coming through. Um, it just it, it that kind of caught me a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I will say this. I'm not upset that I have five more to go, yeah, uh, because it's really good, and this this is definitely a beer that I would buy again. Yeah. You know, I would I would add this one in and say, you know, every now and then I'm gonna go get some some Cuda Brown and yeah, and so I'm gonna come in at four Luthers out of five uh, on this one because it's really good. This is a quality beer. I actually like that it's a little bit lighter than the the Southern Pecan. That's mm-hmm. kind of one area that I like it a little bit better than Southern Pecan. Yeah. Um, but, but either, either way, it's kind of, it's, this is kind of in that same vein. And so I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it four Luthers out of five and, and, uh, call it a day because this is good. I mean, this one is good. And, and to come in stronger than four, you know, we always say, if you come in stronger than four, you're doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, because, because that's going to be, that's going to be a highly recommended beer from us. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm thinking maybe maybe we just found out that caramel and coffee together make pecan flavor. That's you know that's true. Those are I mean like a sweet like because the pecan is kind of sweet but it's got like a mm-hmm. little bit of a bite. And yeah, caramel and coffee together. Maybe we just inadvertently discovered something. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's, and it does say because it says the uh, the balance of chocolate. So it's got that chocolate maltiness. Now you mix chocolate and caramel together. I mean, you basically have a Rolo at that point, and and everybody's favorite uh, Rolo treat is a Rolo with pecans on it. So, if you've never had that, you're welcome. The so, greatest dessert you could ever teach your kids. So, I was just going by the website when I was reading off information. I didn't realize that there was 46 IBUs on this thing. Yeah, because it's not. I mean it 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 doesn't. It's not as bitter as some of the ones mm-hmm. we've had that had. Lower than lower four. IBUs. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's and and I'm you know I keep wondering if this IBU scale is kind of a sliding thing anyway because we'll get one forty and I'm like that's really bitter and then we'll get another forty and I'm like that's really sweet. Yeah, <laughs> but they both have you know thirty five or forty IBUs. I'm trying to see what a SRM is. Oh, uh, we looked that up one time. Beer color intensity on a sample free of. Turbidity and having the spectral characteristics of an average beer. Sure, whatever that means. That is a lot. That's more <laughs> science than I care to care, than I care to think about. That is not helpful. No, it's not. So, <laughs> hey, Jekyll Brewing, your Cooter Brown Ale 
is going to get four out of five Luthers from Rick and four and a half Luthers out of five from Patrick. It's a great beer. Um, I'll be getting this one again, I think. It's it's that good. And there's not yes. there's not a there's not a ton of beers that we've done that I would definitely say I'll go get that one again, but this is gonna be one of them. Let me tell you one I will never get again. Catalic. Catalic. <laughs> also Catalian. Also Mighty Banyan. <laughs> maybe we need maybe we need to have that list. We need, we need to, we have so many lists and charts we need to start putting together as we, dude, we've done 30, this is 38 episodes of this thing. We've got enough data to start, start making recommendation lists and like setting up websites and stuff. Yes. Recommendation lists, graph chart, like line graphs and stuff like that. Hey, statistician, we need you to get on this for us. If there's a statistician in our, in our ranks listening, that's a fan of the beers and Bible podcast, let us know. We need stats. Yeah. Stat. <laughs> so, that's our beer review for the week. Uh, Cooter Brown Ale from Jekyll Brewing in Alpharetta, Georgia. Good showing. Well done. And now, we are going to move into J.I. Packer's Concise Theology. We are going to talk about the church. We are back. We're going to dive into Packers Concise Theology, and we're going to do something we haven't done in a long time. We're only going to tackle one subject. But that one subject is like as long as two or three have been. So That's true. That's true. This is and, a, and it's a, it's a big one. It's a big yeah. one. Um, we're going to talk about the church tonight. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of uh, differences in the church, there's a lot of issues in the church. Um, there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of great things that happen in the church. Um, and and we are, I'm just going to go ahead and kind of come out, we are going to offer some criticisms um, that we've seen uh, from from the church tonight. But just know the, uh, that from our hearts, it's, it's ways that we want to try to continue. And we both are involved in a church. And we want to continue to help the churches that we're involved with grow and be better churches. Um, and so, yeah. So this, everything that we say tonight, uh, we want it to be, even though we it may be offered as a criticism, we want it to be a constructive criticism, and we want it to be something that that is turned positive to say, let's continue to work for, like we talked about last week, the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. so that we can build each other up and we can continue and. And, I mean, conflict in the church is nothing new. It, it goes all the way back to Paul. So, I mean, this and, is this is not really new. And and, re- and also, keep in mind, too, that we're going to do our best to say these things um, from, a, from a place of love. Um, yes. We're going to try to um, speak the truth, and sometimes the truth can be hard to hear, like we've talked about in the last few weeks. But, mm-hmm. you know, like, like Rick said... Our heart is for the church as a whole, for the local church, um, to thrive, to do good things, to do great things for God. Um, but sometimes the church can also get in its own way. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight. 
um, talk a little bit about our experience having been on church staffs, um, what we've seen uh, from the inside that you may or may not see from the outside. Um, and we'll also talk a little, we'll talk about what Packer also talks about the church, but uh, I think those, I think everything is going to go hand in hand. And as you listen, you'll understand kind of where, where we're coming from. Yeah. So let's dive in. Let's see. Let's go. Let's just start where Packer starts. And, and he goes in the church. Uh, he, he calls the church. God plants his people in a new community. Mm. Um, from the outset, I love that definition of the church. Yeah, same. Um, you know, it's it's a it is a new place. It's a place of rebirth. Um, it's a place where people are made new creations. Mm-hmm. Um, they come in one thing and they go out something else. Mm-hmm. If the church does its job, yeah. Um, you know, if 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 you're being an effective church, if you're being a church that that spreads the gospel and and shares the gospel with people and points people to Christ um then then you are a disciple making uh believer regenerating you know you're not doing the work but God is regenerating people who are coming into your church um and and that makes you necessarily a new community and and so that that to me is just a great kind of summary definition of the church yeah. one of the things that I wanted to pull out um, is, is, uh, I know we have talked about it before, but the, the first chapter of the, uh, the 1689 confession, London Baptist, second London Baptist confession calls the church like this. It says the Catholic or universal church. Now it's, it's interesting to note here. Okay. Back in the day, the Catholic church was not like we think Roman Catholic church. Okay. Catholic church, like Roman Catholic is big C Catholic church. Like we, like I will be referring to it as little c, and Catholic simply means universal. Okay. Okay. Uh, so there's there's that distinction. I'm not sending us all back to be under the Pope or anything like that. Um, but the Catholic or universal church, uh, which with respect to the internal work of the Spirit and the truth of grace may be called invisible, consists of the whole number of the elect that have been, are, or shall be gathered into one under Christ, the head thereof, and the spout and is the spouse, the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And and if there you know, if I if I had to give you a definition of who is the church, that would be the definition I would give you. Um and I would point to Colossians chapter one. Uh, I know that, that Packer points to Ephesians chapter two in, in his in uh, in his definition, but I would actually point to Colossians chapter one when when I talk about the church because it it really puts um, Christ at the head in this in this definition. It's talking about Christ in in this section right here. Um, but you pick up in in verse uh, fifteen, and, and we're talking about the preeminence of Christ here, and it says He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and he is before all things and in him, all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. And so that, I mean, that gives you, that gives you the the starting point for the church. You've got all of creation, you've got Jesus and you have the church right there. So all of creation exists through Jesus. The church exists through Jesus. Jesus is the head of everything. And then 
and then uh, it goes on uh, verse 19. He and uh, the head of the body of the church, he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And so, so the the point of the church, the goal of the church, again, we said it over and over, is to point to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And and if the church is not pointing to the glory of God, then it's not living up to its scripture defined meaning for what it should be doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the the church is a the church is a gathering of people who united in the name of Jesus should be in everything that they do working towards should be working towards glorifying Jesus. Yes. Um and and if there's if there's it's, it's a hard it's a hard thing to say but if there's anything in your church that is not honoring and glorifying to Jesus then there's an issue in your church. That you yes. need to address either as a layperson or take it to your pastor or take it to somebody who can do something yeah. about it. Um, and well, and this is where this is where you get to, and, and we're not going to dive into this a whole lot, but this is where you get into like church government. How should churches be structured? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I personally believe that that there is a clear call in Scripture for churches to have a plurality of elders. And, and those elders are not specifically staff people. Um, you know, I, I've been, I have been personally in churches where they have said, oh, we have elders. The elders are all of our pastors. Well, no, what you have is a group of guys who are going to do what they want to do at that point. Mm-hmm. You don't have any kind of checks and balances between the, the leaders of the church and the congregation at that point. Yeah. Whereas if you have an elder body made up of lay people in the church who are good leaders and staff members in the church, then you have a system of checks and balances that says, you know, if the elders don't agree, both lay and staff, then we don't do this. You know, right. we don't do whatever it is. Right. And so so you have that, that system of checks and balances that, to where everything is not run by one pastor or the staff or uh, a situation where, because uh, honestly, that's where the church gets into so much trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you hear these stories of, of something happening at a church, and so many times it's because there wasn't proper structure of checks and balances in that church. Yeah. So, I mean... Just, just for my own knowledge, I guess, or the knowledge of our listeners too. Like you talked about, like the staff and the pastors being the ones who, who lead the church. Have you ever heard of or been in a church where it was the lay people leading and the staff was kind of powerless to it? Um, that can happen, absolutely. Um, and that's why that's why I think, and that's where I would say in Elder okay. So I just gave the example of staff being the leaders and kind of running roughshod over the congregation. So let me give an example in the opposite, because I can do that as well. I was on staff at a church where the deacon board was was the one who made all the decisions, mm-hmm. and they would okay. they would bully the staff into doing what they wanted them to do. Gotcha. Um, and so and and that is that is the opposite error. Yep. You know, I'm not saying that deacons are wrong. Because that's not what I mean. But what I am saying is those that group of deacons abused the authority that was invested in them by the church. Yeah. 
Um, and, and, you know, we can talk about the role and the authority that a deacon should have or, or could have. And, and I have my opinions on that. But at this church, they, they had invested in the deacon body the, the authority to, to make decisions and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and what ended up happening was the deacon board ran roughshod over the staff. And so it's not about the, you know, putting the power either in, in a group of people in the staff or putting the power in a group of people in the, in lay people in the church. It's about finding that balance. And I think that's where you find that balance in an elder board. Mm-hmm. And an elder board is something that is not chosen by the staff and it's not 100% picked by uh, the, the lay people. Because if you do either or, you end up with, you know, the staff are going to pick people who are going to support their decisions and the lay people are going to pick, uh, you know, it's going to be a popularity contest. They're going to pick the most popular guy. And so you you lay out a clear definition of this is what an elder is. You use um, First Timothy. You use Titus. You use um, these scriptures that say this is what a leading uh, elder does in the church. He understands these things. Um, and, yes, I, I will affirm that I believe that, that elders and pastors should be men. Um, in a church, I believe that's what scripture lays out. That is not uh, a slam on women. That's not a saying that women don't have that, that, that wisdom, but it's just saying that, that we are designed uh, with specific roles and, and a, a, a man's role in the church is defined as leadership. Um, so we're, we're, I'm just going to put that there. Um, but, you, but you end up with this, this idea, and I'll go back to it, of checks and balances, mm-hmm. you know. And, so, and I think that is so important. And, and I can't tell you I know of a single church that has gotten it exactly right. Um, but, I, but I know of churches that have done very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give you an example, and it's a very, very public example that happened years ago. Um, it involves uh, Perry Noble and New Spring Church. Um, the reason I know these things is because I know, uh, personally, I know people who went to that church. Um, and so they were, they were friends of mine and I spoke with them and they were very candid and they were very open. Um, and, and what happened was New Spring had at the time an elder board that, that was partial staff and partial lay people. And it was a pretty, I mean, New Spring was a pretty big church at the time too. And so, um, when when some things started coming out uh, against Perry and, and about Perry, uh, they went to him and said, you know, hey, we've seen these things. We, we think you need to take a little bit of time off. Mm-hmm. We think that you need to step back just a little bit. Um, and and we, the goal of this is to see restoration. That's what the goal of this is. And, and, you know, it, it ended up with, and, and I'm not going to go into all those details, but I believe they approached the situation right. Um, it was a, it was a situation where the lay people came to the, the staff side of the elders and they discussed and they said, we all agree that this is a, this is an issue that we need to bring to the pastor. They, and it was about the pastor. So they brought mm-hmm. the issue to him. They confronted him in love. They confronted him with things that he had said, ways that he had led, all of this kind of stuff. And in the end, they ended up removing him because he would not submit to the the leadership of the entire elder board. Now, again, that's not about two or three guys manipulating, and it's not about, you know, the staff getting their way or the lay people getting their way. It was the entire elder board that went to him, and it was him refusing to respond to the entire elder board that led to his removal. Gotcha. 
So, you know, that's an example of where I see the church going right. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and that's, that's not an endorsement of New Spring. That's not an endorsement of their theology or the way, you know, I have, I have my own personal issues with, with Perry Noble, but mm-hmm. I think that was probably one of the best examples of how, uh, what how, we would call either church discipline or something like that yeah. would work. Yeah, how to how to properly address an issue of of church discipline where you know people saw something that shouldn't have been going on or saw an issue in in the pastor's life, confronted him about it, gave him an opportunity to to make it right, make amends, and when he didn't, took the necessary action that they exactly took the action they felt necessary. Yes, yes. And, I mean, again, the ultimate goal of the church is the re- is restoration. That's why we call it the new community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the goal of the church is restoration. Yeah. So whether you're doing discipline, discipleship, uh, worship, whatever it is, mm-hmm. the goal is restoration in yeah. all cases. Yeah. I really like Packer's use of the word community because when I think of a community, I think of, like, people in close close contact or um people in going through life i I know people hate this phrase i think you're one of them (laughs) but i am going through through life together um doing life doing we're doing life together man um (laughs) with our with our hippie haircuts and our board shorts um but no but seriously like there are people that you enjoy joining your lives together as as friends, um, your families grow together. You watch your kids grow up together, mm-hmm. um, and and you know that's what I think of when I think when I hear the word community and Packer using the word community. Um, really, as a description of the church, really puts into perspective that whole idea that the church shouldn't just be like a thing you do on Sundays or a thing you do on Wednesdays, right. but it should be something that you are continually doing each day of the week or or not just on those two days you should be reaching out to people that you're in a, a small group with or if you're in your discipleship group or you know you've got friends that you only see at church on sunday your lives don't cross you know na- don't naturally cross any other time of the week like but you should be wanting to reach out to those people and invest in their lives mm-hmm. um even if it's not a comfortable thing for you to do or, or whatever. Um, so I really like, excuse me. I like how Packer uses the word community there. Cause that's what I, when when I hear community, that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's important to remember that, that the church is a chosen community, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, in, in the old Testament, uh, I think it's in Ezekiel. No, it's in Exodus, Exodus six. I don't know why I thought Ezekiel. Um, in Exodus six, it, it says, you know, that God God says to Israel, "I will be your God, and you shall be my people." Mm-hmm. Um, in in reality, he does the same thing in the New Testament in First mm-hmm. Peter, where he says, you know, you are a chosen people, you're you're a royal priesthood. Um, you know, in in the Old Testament, he chose ethnic Israel. In the mm-hmm. New Testament. He established his church. Yeah, that was his chosen people, and and that's where 
1689 calls it, you know, all of those who are elect, the elect of God will be brought into the church. God will bring those who he has chosen into the church throughout all of eternity. Yeah. And so that's where you get that, that sense of community. And, and even though we may differ, um, we still are one in Christ. Yeah. You know, we can have different, different opinions on certain things that are, that are secondary and tertiary. We can have opinions on those, but the, the what? one, <laughs> what do you mean? We, we can have different opinions, <laughs> but the, I mean, and, the, and I've heard the criticism leveled at churches. Oh, well, y'all are supposed to be in unity, but why are there a hundred denominations? You know, and I, I always just look at people and go, well, because men are sinners. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, there's a hundred denominations because we live in a fallen world. That's why. Yeah. Um, and, and and ultimately, like, a lot of the, I would say a lot of the denominations around where I am, the the differences are not main. They're not primary issues. Yeah. There's a lot. It's a lot of, like you said, secondary, tertiary, you know. Things that, do they matter to some people very much? Yes. Yeah. But on the other side of eternity, will it matter? Not at all. No, no. And there's a there's an article um, by a guy named Al Mohler that he wrote years ago. And I, it's probably one of the best articles I could recommend. Um, if you Google it, it's called, um, it, I don't know the exact title of the article, but if you Google spiritual triage in Al Mohler, you'll probably find it. But in that article, he he argues pretty good and pretty well that, you know, we have our differences and there are certain things that will divide us and that's okay, but we need to learn how to, how to operate almost like an ER. And, and he gives the example, when you go into an ER, they have what's called the triage nurse and the triage nurse, her job or his job is to assess how bad your situation is. So if 10 people come into the ER at one time, they're going to look at the guy who is, um, who is, uh, you know, got his arm chopped off. They're going to look at the person who's just sniffle, got the sniffles, um, the person who might have like a broken wrist, and they're going to they're going to say, okay, who is the most important person to get back to the doctor first? Mm-hmm. This guy that's missing his arm is bleeding out on the floor. Let's get him to the doctor now. Yeah. The guy who's got the sniffles can wait an hour and a half. He'll be all right. Yeah. Um, give him and some so, sun vitamins and get him out the door. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so that's that's kind of what we need to do with ourselves when we when we call when we say spiritual triage. We need to decide the certain the things that are. I mean, it's okay if they're important to us, but we don't need to let let it lead to us calling somebody else a heretic unless that person truly is a heretic. Yeah. Are they breaking an orthodox confession? Are they breaking one of the creeds set down from the beginning of the church, you know, that, that defines heresy? Yeah. Um, you know, or, or are they just kind of walking right up to the line of Arianism, you know, where, where I would say Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons fall into the realm of actual heretics because they believe that Jesus was not God. Mm-hmm. And I believe that is a top level. You have to believe Jesus was God in order to be an orthodox Bible believing Christian. Yeah. Um, and so I would call them heretics. Now on the flip side of that, um, let's take the differences between like Presbyterians and Baptists. Okay. Presbyterians sprinkle their babies. Baptists dunk their kids. Um, that's two different modes of baptism, but that, 
that only separates us by what we believe about a certain sacrament. That doesn't mean that either one of those denominations is outside of the realm of Christian Orthodox belief. Yeah. You know? And so, so we end up in, and, and I'm glad you talked on, you touched on community because I believe community is important. And I believe that as Christians, we need to learn how to have better community. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to learn how to have better community with people who don't think like us, who don't look like us, who don't act like us. Yeah. Um, who, who are coming from a different worldview. And I just, I just recently have read a book by a lady named Rosaria Butterfield called the gospel comes with a house key. And it was probably one of, one of the more challenging and critiquing books of, of somebody like myself, because I like to think of, and, and, and her argument in the book, her, her idea in the book is this thing called, um, what does she call it? Radical something. Radical hospitality, radical Christian hospitality, and and she she basically says that you know if you are a, if you're a believer, your home needs to be a place where people can feel safe coming to your home. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tells a story of her neighbor. His name was Hank, and they got to know each other. And he was a recluse, and and ended up that uh, that he was cooking crystal meth in his in his uh, basement, and got arrested one day. And then all the neighbors were kind of turning on, on Rosaria and her husband, Kent, and saying, you know, oh, you guys had befriended him. How could you not know this? And their response to the whole thing was, you know what? Uh, Hank was arrested. We're going to have hot dogs and hamburgers at our house tomorrow night. And we're going to invite the entire neighborhood to come over. And we're going to discuss this. And so every time people would come to their house, it was an open community of Bible reading, singing, um, prayer, mm-hmm. all of these things happened. They, they never once put off their, their Christian beliefs. They never once turned off their Christianity, so to speak, but they opened their door to atheists, to agnostics, to uh, Catholics, to uh, Muslims, to Hindus, and, and all of these different types of people who were obviously, you know, Democrats and Republicans. They actually had Democrats and Republicans in their houses. Ludicrous. Crazy. Uh, <laughs> but, but, the stories that she tells from all this, and just as a matter of record, Rosaria Butterfield is a is a converted lesbian who used to be a feminist in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, she knows the other side of the fence. She's yeah. been on the other side of the fence before. Um, but but that idea of community is what turns the church from this, from the way people see us. And, and, and honestly, this idea of community is not going to happen and and I, I'm going to be careful saying this, but it's not going to happen in in mega churches, because you know you go to mega churches to disappear. Yeah, community is going to happen in somebody's house. It's going to happen in small churches. It's going to happen in uh, medium sized churches that really do well at, at kind of breaking themselves down into smaller groups and ministering across uh, across lines and across their entire community, their entire flock. I guess you could say. Um, when you when you get to that level of community, you're going to see a difference in people's lives. Yeah, yeah. It's um, I think the the problem that megachurches have with uh, creating authentic community like that, like you're talking about, is um, it, they they just they're so focused on getting people into the big room, you know? Yeah that they forget to do the other thing as well. They forget to um, 
teach people how to be hospitable. They forget how to how to effectively lead a small group or mm-hmm. forget to how to teach people how to effectively lead small groups. And and when the new of being in the big room wears off and people start looking for those things and they're not sufficient, that's why I feel like that's why a lot of people leave the church and, and don't yeah. don't ever go and you know, it's not that they don't ever go back to a, that church or a mega church at all. But they don't go back to any church because they, yeah. they just assume that, well, that church didn't know what they're doing, so no other church really knows what they're yeah. doing. If this big church didn't have it together, then obviously these little churches aren't going to have yeah. it together either. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like, in our culture, the big companies that, I mean, there's a reason Nike and Under Armour and Adidas outperform, uh, like, the Walmart brand shoes. Yeah. Because they know what they're doing. Yes. Um, there's very specific, they are, they know what they're good at and they do it well. Um, and I think churches as a whole, from the smallest to the biggest, need to do everything well, whether it's worship service or Sunday school or, or, you know, they need, there needs to be an effective, I, I'm not really sure, like, how practically that works, but like like every church, I think should be challenging itself to be better in everything it does. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And and you know, uh, I'll say that where 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 mega churches do some things well, you know, they do Sunday, they do it exceptionally well, mostly because they have to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wish that smaller churches would would be as diligent to to at least put uh you know the amount of energy that a large church puts into their sunday morning because here's the thing sunday morning is very important the gathering of i I mean the last six weeks have proven to us how important the gathering of the local body the local church actually is yeah you know i haven't heard a pastor yet be like i am so glad that my church can't meet you know they every single one of them is saying, man, this is, this is troubling my soul that we can't be together as a church. This is troubling my soul that we can't meet as a church. Doesn't matter if you're large or small. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there are some problems that transcend whether you're a large church or a small church. And, and one of those things is the efficiency and the excellence that you put into a Sunday morning event. Just because you're a small church with limited resources, that's not an excuse to go, well, we're going to deal with, you know, mediocre this or mediocre that. You know, maybe the only talent you have is mediocre, and that's fine. But those that what you have should be giving their best. And as long as what you have is giving their best and doing the proper preparation and 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 being ready for Sunday morning, because Sunday morning is a time where you don't want distractions. You don't want things like, you know, feedback and, and, you know, talk about all the technical side of it, whatever that is, you don't want those things happening because you want to focus on singing the, uh, singing worship, worshiping God, giving glory to him through song, and then hearing the word proclaimed, learning, applying it to your lives, and in turn, giving glory to God. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, that's kind of the goal of Sunday morning. And I think it's interesting. and, And Packer talked about this, um, this, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna weave this little line here really fast. It's gonna sound like I'm going off on a tangent here, but he says the predominantly Gentile character of the church 
is due not to the terms of the new covenant, but to Jewish rejection of them. And Paul taught that this will one day be reversed. And, and then the very next sentence, he says, the New Testament defines the church in terms of fulfillment of Old Testament hopes and patterns through a relationship of all three persons of the Godhead. Mm-hmm. And so where, where, this, where this all ties together is, is the church that we see today, the church that we have today, should be representing a fulfillment of the Old Testament. Yeah. Not a replacement of the Old Testament, not an expansion of the Old Testament. Um, it is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. The same way that Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, mm-hmm. the church has come to fulfill what Israel, what the Old Testament did not fulfill. Yeah. And so that's not an exclusion of Israel. Israel is welcome to come in, mm-hmm. but they have to they have to put their faith and their trust in Christ to be in that. So if they're not in that, they're obviously rejecting that. Right. And so so that's where, you know, there there is a, a branch of theology and and I'm not gonna say if it's if it's heresy or not. Um, but there is a branch of theology that basically says, well, at the division of the New Testament and the Old Testament, God said, well, Israel's not going to do what they're supposed to do, so I'm just going to shred the, the contract that I have with them, throw it out, and I'm going to start a whole new thing and like completely start over. Um, now, there, there, is, there, there is an aspect of that, but it is not that replacement. Um, it is more of a, this was the Old Testament version and then here is going to be the fulfillment of that Old Testament version. Mm-hmm. It's it's and, the completion of the same story. It's not a beginning of a new one. Exactly. Exactly. And so you look at patterns of the Old Testament. Well, Israel had to, to bring sacrifices every day. They had to do these certain things and those certain things. So as a church in the New Testament, there are certain things that we have to do. One of the things we should do is gather together physically in space and time and be the church. You know, it, it troubles me that, that we're having to do this online stuff. I'm ready mm-hmm. to be back at church. I'm ready to be gathered with the church again. Yeah. Um, you know, part of part of it is regularly, consistently taking of the Lord's Supper, remembering his death, burial, and resurrection. You know, um, you know, we can we can talk about the sacraments. I think we're going to talk about sacraments next week, so I'm not going to dive into it too much here. But, yeah. but you know, one of the things that should be consistently in or repeatedly observed at your church and and some churches do it once a quarter some churches do it once a month some churches do it once a week you can have your opinions on when you should do it but it should be a consistent thing that you're observing the lord's supper in your church um you're gathering together you're singing you're hearing the word preached and you're observing the lord's supper and you're observing you're having baptism as the the kind of fruit of all of those things that take place yeah does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah i'm on board with all that, so you're tracking. You're tracking. Yeah. Um, what are I mean? All right. So, so we we've kind of gone heavy on the church for a little while for the past forty five minutes or so. What are some good things that are happening in the church? What are What are some things that we see the church doing that that makes you go? You know what the the church is the church is surviving because Jesus is moving and working through the church. You mean like the church as a whole, or the church yeah, that the, we're a part I mean, of, or the church as a whole? Okay, the, um, or, or I mean that could be the church that you're a part of. What's something that I the mean, church you attend is doing? I mean, I mean, right now when we're talking about this, you know, the last six six eight weeks we've been having to do church from home, 
And it seems like every single church has figured out a way to do it. Yes. You know? And so every church is adapting to the situation very well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're doing the things that are necessary to continue preaching the word and, and leading the people in worship and, and doing everything that they can to have it as quasi-normal as possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, a lot of churches have stepped in and are helping, um, helping feed schools, um, or students that, you know, they only get their meals from schools and now that they're not going to school, they don't know where their food's coming yeah. from. So a lot of, a lot of churches have stepped in to help with that. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, churches. Church that, I'm at has done that too. Yeah, so there's a lot of churches, um, that are really big into foster care and orphan, uh, care, um, I mean, there are some there are some churches that do like discipleship really, really well. Um, yeah. There's some churches that don't, um, but that's not, you know, that's not a knock on those churches at all. It's just it's just a fact. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you one what, thing what that I saw. I kind of so. Kind of ran out. <laughs> so um, it, where, where I'm at, there is a church. Uh, they're they're a bigger church. I mean, maybe they would be classified as a mega church. I don't know. Um, I, I do know the pastor, and and one of the things they did when this when this started uh, at the at the very beginning of this this deal, and it, and it came, it was becoming very serious that mm-hmm. churches were not going to be allowed to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, this pastor uh, recorded a video. Threw it up on Facebook uh, to to as many churches in our area that said, you know, hey, if your church does not have the capabilities or the resources to do anything online, you call my church office. We will arrange a time. We'll come up here. You can use all of our resources to record, to do whatever you need to do so that you can get content to your church members. Mm -hmm. And we will help you do that. And all of it is free. And, and that's, and, and because I took, I spent a little bit of time bashing on big churches. So I'm going to, I'm going to flip it around here and say, that is a perfect example of a church being a perfect steward of the things that they have been blessed with. You know, mm-hmm. being a big church is not bad. Being a mega church is not bad in and of itself. It's how you steward the things that God has entrusted yeah. to you mm-hmm. that, that really makes you, you know, if, if you're being an effective church or not for the kingdom of God. And so this pastor just said, Hey, we have resources. Churches may not have resources. I don't know if they do or not, but I'm going to offer everything that we have fully available to you. You call me, you set up a time. We will help you do it. We will help you get through this. We will help you yeah. be able to connect, to interact, to um, be a part of your church, uh, your church body as consistently as possible over the next, you know, next few weeks, months. We don't know how long it's going to last, but we're here to help you because God has blessed us with resources. So we're going to do the best we can with the resources God has blessed us with. And and that's really a great example of a, of one church understanding that every church is on the same team. Exactly. It's not uh, this church. It's not uh, our church versus your church or this church versus that church. It's yeah. Every church is on the same team. Every church's main goal should be to glorify God. Um, yeah. Because, you, I mean, you know what What that pastor could have done, and, and maybe he would have been justified in doing it, is throwing his services up that are that are slick and well-produced and look good and 
and and he could have thrown it up and not allowed any other churches and and mm-hmm. he could have just taken advantage of the online platform that he had that other churches didn't have yeah, exactly. but instead of instead of keeping that to himself he said no we're going to share it we're going to help you get everything out to your people uh, you know, we're going to help you communicate with your people. We're going to help you stay in touch so that you can pastor well in this time mm-hmm. without having to think about how am I going to get yeah. my my sermon recorded so that my people can hear it. Yeah, that's a I had not heard about that church doing that. That's a great that's a great example of that. Yeah, and and so you know, there's a lot of things that the church does well, mm-hmm. and and. There, there's obviously some blemishes. We don't do everything well, but there's a lot of things that the church does well, and and when you, I think you see that when you get into times like we're in right now, where you have adversity, you you see churches put aside their differences over, mm-hmm. you know, sprinkling and dunking and uh, baptism, whether you should take Lord's Supper once a week or once a quarter. Uh, they put all of that stuff aside and they say, okay. How can we minister together to our community? Yeah. There's 10 churches in our community. How can these 10 churches reach the community that is around us? Where yeah. do we have the footprint to do it? And how can we best serve our city, our town, our state, our county, and mm-hmm. and be the best witness for Christ that we can be? Yeah. I mean, remember, we're, every church is the bride of Christ. Yes. Every Catholic. Little C, Catholic. Yeah. So we're we're all the bride. We are all um, co heirs with Jesus. We are all working toward the same goal, and so bickering about secondary and tertiary things is a waste of time. Yeah. If a church comes out and says we we believe Jesus isn't the only way to salvation, then you have that discussion and be like, well. We're not on the same team, so maybe we need to, y'all need to chill out. Here's where you're wrong. But, I mean, just because a church thinks differently than another, one church thinks differently than the other doesn't make that church wrong if it's not a main primary thing. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not an essential, fundamental gospel belief, Mm -hmm. and, and it goes back to the Apostles' Creed. Yeah. You can believe more than the Apostles' Creed. But you can't believe anything less than the Apostles' Creed, right? And so, so you know, and and that's where that's where I would draw the line. I would say, you know, if it's in the Apostles' Creed, you need to believe it. If it's not, uh, then then let's discuss it. You know, we can we can go into our rooms later. We can you know we can sit around a dinner table and argue till all of us are blue in the face if we want to. But when we come out to the world. We're done. We're we're done fighting. We're a unified front. We are the church, and we are to represent Christ, mm-hmm. and that's what we're supposed to do. And I think you're seeing a lot of that in churches right now. Yeah, um, I think you're seeing a lot of that um, going around. Um, and and I mean, you know, John Piper managed to write a book in like seventy two hours about the coronavirus, and I'm sure it'll help a lot of churches. Um, I wonder how but, he did that. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since he's like a hundred. Think he's he, not quite a hundred. Think he and Jared Packer went to school together? Probably. They probably did. Um. But, but I'll, I'm gonna 
I want to leave, unless you want to add something else, I want to leave it there on a high note mm-hmm. about the church and yeah. about seeing the, the, the good that the church is doing. Um, again, because we don't want this to be a negative, you know, tearing down the church episode. We want it to be a positive, um, even though we did offer a few critiques of ways that the church can improve. And, and that's just, you know, that's what we believe. And, and in our respective churches, we're, we're doing what we can mm-hmm. personally to help our churches do better. And so that's all you can do. Yep. And so I want to challenge you, uh, our listeners, wherever you are, whatever church you're in, whatever situation you're in, do the very best you can, you know, and, and if it comes to the point where you just say, I can't do it anymore, then it's okay to go find another church where you can. Yeah. You know, don't, um, so that, don't, let, that way it's not an ugly split. Yeah. Don't, don't let the secondary and, and secondary things cause you to leave the church. But if there's a main issue that you that you just can't get over or or something like that then it's okay to go find yourself another bible preaching jesus worshiping church yes and, and as long as as long as the church you you find as long as the church you're a part of preaches from the word and the worship edifies jesus glorifies jesus what's glorifies jesus that's the word yeah sure that's the word as long as the worship does that, then, then, then you know it, it's a it's a good church to be a part of, and you're not going to agree with a hundred percent of any church. If you agree with a hundred percent of of what your church believes, then there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> critical thinking should be a part of of what happens after a Sunday morning experience. Yes, absolutely. And, and, if, and if because at that point, if you if you're not thinking on your own, if you're not if you're not reading the word and interpreting for your, or I, I, wa- I want to be careful using words like <laughs> interpret because there's one interpretation but many applications. But if you're reading yeah. the word and get something different out of it than what you hear from your church, then talking that through with your family or talking to somebody about it mm-hmm. is perfectly fine. When a church starts spewing heresy or saying weird things or throwing snakes... Maybe that's a time to get out. <laughs> Maybe. Not sure. <laughs> it but, could be. It could be. But um So there you go. That's uh that's the church. That's Cooter Brown. Um We'll bash the church in a future episode of the Beers and Bible Podcast. <laughs> we'll commit a full episode to that. Maybe. Yeah. We'll um, see. We'll see. Probably not, but we love we do we do love the church. We love the churches we've yes. been a part of. Um, we love the churches we're, we're a part of now, um, but every church has highs and lows. Um, mm-hmm. you know, church people are still people and yes. they're still going to do things that drive you crazy sometimes. So newsflash, your pastor is not an angel. He is a broken, depraved person just like you. But he glows so nice up there on that stage. (laughs) With all them lights. They got him a halo. Oh, man. So anyway, that's us. That's the the church. Um, If people want to find us on social media, Patrick, where would they do that? So we are on Instagram at beersandbible underscore. We are on Twitter at beersandbibleP1. You can find us on Facebook, search Beers and Bible Podcasts and look for our logo. Excuse me. And then you can also uh, email us at beersandbiblepodcasts at gmail.com. 
like our pages, leave comments, send us messages, suggestions, thoughts, questions you have um, about anything that we're discussing or anything in the faith. Uh, we'd love to get those and interact with you guys. Um, we're in the home stretch of Packer. We're getting close to the end here. What, what? Um, and, and then we'll, we'll move on to the next, whatever the next is when we get there. So, but, uh, Cooter Brown from uh, Jekyll Brewing. Four Luthers. I'm, I got, I it four and a half and it was, it was every, it was every bit of four and a half. Nice. So, um, Gotta love that. Yep. I like a good well, until next week, may your beer be cold and your... I forgot what I said last week. I had some cool tag on. I forgot what it was. Yeah, that was like two weeks ago or... I don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> you have to go back and listen to it. But anyway, have a good one. Peace out. See you later. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast.